0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 19 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at OnTheBanks.com. We are right in the thick of things with fall sports and winter sports begin in a few weeks. For all the coverage of every Rutgers sport, make sure to go to OnTheBanks.com. I will be joined by the head coach of Rutgers women's soccer, Mike O'Neill, in a little bit. We will talk about the end of the season for this team and the Big Ten tournament upcoming. But first, I want to update where the women's soccer team sits in the Big Ten standings. Currently, they sit 9-2-5 and 5 overall and 5-1-3 in the Big Ten, good for 18 points and a tie for second in the conference with Wisconsin, only three points behind Penn State, who have 21 and are, of course, in first place. Rutgers and Wisconsin have played already this season, resulting in a scoreless draw in Madison. What bodes well for Rutgers is that they have two games remaining against the two teams in 13th and 14th in the Big Ten, Michigan State in East Lansing, and then Purdue at your sack field to end the year. Wisconsin, on the other hand, they play at home against Nebraska and then at Ohio State to end the year, and the Huskers and the Buckeyes respectively sit currently 4th and 5th in the conference. Rutgers clearly has an advantage towards securing the second seed in the Big Ten tournament over the Badgers. It is crucial, however, that even if they do not win both, that they pick up at least four points, so that would be a win and a tie, in their next two games to secure them at worst a third place finish in the regular season. Right now, Rutgers is playing for home field advantage. They want that home field in the first round at worst in the Big Ten tournament because obviously the semis and the finals are... In Westfield, Indiana. So they're playing for home field, but they're playing for something bigger right now in these last two games and in the Big Ten tournament, they're possibly playing for home field advantage in the NCAA tournament for at least round one and hopefully for rounds afterwards as well. Now let's talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Galen. He is currently in his fifth season at the helm of the Rutgers women's soccer program and in his 19th year overall here on the banks. His team currently sits tied for second in the Big Ten with 18 points. I am now pleased to be joined by head coach Mike O'Neill. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Good morning, Lance. Thanks for having me on. Coach, before we look at the season overall, you know, I want to hit on your most recent road trip to Columbus to take on Ohio State and to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. You managed to get a point out of the game against the Buckeyes, but fell to the Nittany Lions one to nothing. And that game against Penn State, you know, it was tight defensively. And then after that goal, I think you guys had some good opportunities, just couldn't find the back of the net. What were your main takeaways from what was a difficult road trip against really two of the teams normally towards the top of the Big Ten?
1: Well, I think the, the game against Ohio State, um, you know, we felt we we should have came away with more. Um, but we did a lot and enough to win the game. You know, we didn't you know give much up at all, but we created opportunities. And you know, I think it's the the thing for us uh, for the course of the year, especially getting into Big Ten play, just being more efficient in that area of the field, you know, we're creating things, but we creating opportunities, but we need to capitalize on them. So, um, you know, against Ohio state, you know, we, we created, we definitely created more against them than we did against Penn state. Um, so we were a little disappointed, uh, not coming home with three points. Then we went into Penn state on, uh, on Sunday and, There's a really good rivalry between Penn State Rutgers, and we knew that, uh, you know, it had just another overtime game for us on Friday, which we just don't talk about. You know, we just do a good job as a staff, an entire staff, making sure that, you know, we can get their legs back uh, for the next game. And, you know, the start of the game, I felt we were the better team. We lost uh, Shea Holland about 20 minutes into the game, um, lost a little bit of depth, and, you Made some changes in a in a, in an area of the field that is, we felt was very important um, to be successful, and it took us a little bit to adjust, to adjust to those changes. But I I felt that you know going into halftime I felt we were in a in a good place. Again, we just needed to make sure we kept better possession of the ball because when you when you play against the top teams, it's important to keep good possession because if you don't keep good possession, then when you play against those quality teams. You're going to find yourself chasing a lot. So we, you know, for us as a, as a as a team, the goal for us on Sunday was to keep the ball and be on the front foot all the time. So I felt the times that we did that, we were successful. Um, and sometimes when you're, you know, this is kind of learning, is when you're against it and and, and you know your kind of the momentum is is coming against you. Um, when you gain possession, you know now it's the it's the it's the, you know dealing with the pressure and and Still remaining confident that when you get the ball, that you just continue to play the way that you know how. And there are sometimes I felt we needed to be a bit braver. Um, but those are the things we spoke about at halftime. And coming out in the second half, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we continue to execute the game plan that we put together, and uh, we let one up early. Um, but like you said, I felt that the team responded really well. We had some chances um, to tie the game, um, and I think the. The thing that we mentioned to the to the team afterwards is that there's so much you can learn from games like yesterday and not only as as players but as coaches. So we're gonna learn uh, as much as we can from that and then get ready for uh, training on Tuesday and then travel again on Wednesday.
0: And look, you head back on the road once more. you take on Michigan State and East Lansing, and then you finish out at home against Purdue. You know, of course, every game is a challenge, obviously, in the Big Ten Conference. But do you like where the team is right now mentally and with their play heading into these final
1: games? I do. You know, I think that you know they recognize that, uh, you know, I, I think when when you're in one of the top uh, conferences in the country and they you recognize that every game is a battle, you're always table watching. And what I mean by that is you're looking at the table, the standings, to see where— you know we where we fit. You're are watching the results, and you know so it's something that we don't necessarily need to talk about, but we know that they understand the importance of these last two games. With um, all these overtime games that we played, the key the key for us is to make sure that we do just enough, that we don't overdo it, uh, that we focus on the, the areas that we feel we need to be uh, efficient, and and how we can get better before we play that game, on. Thursday night, um, but do I like where the team is? I do. You know, I think we're doing a lot of good things uh, on both sides of the ball. We need to be, like I said earlier, be a bit more efficient when we have opportunities and a bit more efficient on set pieces. But I know as a staff, you know, we are really enjoying the team.
0: Let's talk about the team, and and I think this has been a real breakout year for Amir Ali. She leads the Big Ten in goals with ten. She leads the Big Ten in points with twenty three. And I personally think she's far and away probably the favorite right now for Big Ten Player of the Year. You know, she showed her ability in her freshman season, obviously. But what's been the difference this year for her? You know, how has she been really able to break out and kind of assert herself as arguably the conference's best player?
1: I think what happens is there's always an adjustment period. You see it every year when, you know, freshmen come in and, you know, you start preseason and then you're only focusing on soccer. Then you, you know, at, when school starts, you become a student athlete and just trying to figure out the balance. and um, of everything that happens when you're in college, you know, from your academics to your sport to, you know, your sleep, your eating, all that goes along with that, um, with being a, a Division One student athlete. So I think what happens is that, you know, Amira last year, um, you know, adjusted really well and really quickly to the game. Um, but I think what she's embraced starting last spring and into this fall is she's embraced the responsibility of of being, you know, one of the top players in the conference and one of the top players in the country. Um, but what I mean by embracing that, it's, you know, it's the time that she spends on her own working on her game. It's the time that she spends at training and how hard she works. It's the, you know, the team dynamic she understands. If you ever, if you ever talk to Amira, she never talks about herself. She always talks about the team first, so she understands the importance of, of the team dynamic and what that means to success. Um, But, you know, I agree with you 100%. I think she's uh, one, of the top, one of the top forwards in the country.
0: You know, like in recent years, and it seems under, you know, your tenure, it's been like this really always, uh, the defense has been stout. You, you look back, you know, uh, 2015, uh, Brian Reed, Eric Oskroski, you had Aaron Smith back there as well. Seven clean sheets for, for this defense this season. What have you liked about their play, and specifically from the veterans back there, like Kenny Ray? What have you liked uh, seeing from them throughout this year?
1: Yeah, I, I think from you know from day one to where they are today, they just really have um, molded into a, a really good back four and goalkeeper. And you know, we talk so much about it. eleven players have to attack, a player, eleven players have to defend. But there's always an adjustment period. and when you have new players back there, Madison Pograth is a new player. We had a good relationship between uh, Amanda Visco and Chantel Swaby, And then Chantel's been away for, you know, I think this would be eight games that she's missed this year. And now uh, Shay Hollins has stepped in and done a great job back there. Um, and then the leadership of Kenny Wright, I, you know, I don't even have the words to explain the importance of, of Kenny's leadership and impact in our program in the four years that she's been here. So, And then, you know, and, and Meg McClellan coming in as the goalkeeper, as the new keeper following in, the footsteps of, you know, one of the best goalkeepers, um, you know, probably ever play collegiate soccer. You know, there's always that like adjustment period of kind of dealing with that and recognizing that, look, it's, I have to make my own way and, you know, it takes time and it takes time to gel. And I think that the thing that has happened so that I've really enjoyed watching is the leadership of, you know, Amanda Visco and, uh, and Kenny, and and Madison really and and Chantel really looking after the Shea Hollands and the Meg McClellan and giving them time and recognizing that in order for us to be successful we need for them to be confident and it's, but it's going to take some time for that so that consistency part has been you know a, a big piece of our success uh, ever since Big Ten play started so again I just think it, it just I think Meg Ryan does an, an unbelievable job with the with the back. You know, we asked a lot of the team on both sides of the ball, um, but I think that it's just been really, it's been really uh, special to watch them just kind of grow as a unit, um, and we're really happy with what they're doing because there's two forms of defending. You know, one is you know pure defending, and one is just keeping the ball. And you know, we're really we're good at defending, but we're gonna we're continuously all the time get better on the other side of keeping it and creating. So I think that. But you have to have that nucleus back there that kind of shuts people down and they all understand how to work together. And that has really, to where it started, to where it is today, has been pretty special to watch.
0: You know, you talked about her in your last uh, answer. The biggest question I think heading into this year was how do you replace Casey Murphy? You went with freshman Megan McClelland, and I think she's really answered the call. You know, second in the conference in goals against, second in shutouts. Why was Megan the right choice for you before the season? And what is kind of your assessment of how she's grown as a true freshman playing goalie in such a high pressure environment of big 10 soccer?
1: Well, I, I think that the thing that happens and, you know, when, you know, that's the, I think that's you know, the part of sport is every team has a one year life because people will leave and new people come in. And the people that we lost last year in Kobe Sharaka and, Christy Roy and Courtney Norton and Casey Murphy—you can't replace them because they're all special in their own way. And I think that was one of the things that we spoke to Megan about. We knew that Megan, you know, had a lot of game experience by playing. You know, she won a national championship at the club level. You know, she spent time with our youth national program. So we knew that she had that experience, but she needed to get the collegiate experience and. You know, and sometimes that takes time. It's one of saying that, look, you we've spoken to and I think Lubash has done Lubash Answers our goalkeeping coach. He's done a tremendous job with the goalkeepers as a as a goalkeeping for. Um and the one thing that we just he continuously talked to is just continue to build your confidence. Make your make your, your confidence, make your own name. You know, don't worry about the people that have been here in the past because we can't go backwards, we can only go forward. So we knew her coming in with the experience that she had and but I think the, the the only way that you get that collegiate experience is by playing. And, you know, she never played with, you know, a, a Kenny and a Madison and an Amanda and Chantel. And we knew it would take time. Um, but she's adjusted really well. And we're, you know, we're really happy with what she's doing um, in Big Ten play. Really happy.
0: You know, I mentioned earlier you got two games left this season. And while the team, I think, has played great. I'm sure you as a coach, you've identi- identified some things that you want to work on. With tournament play, you know, not too far away, what are, one, I guess, one or two things that you've noticed that the team kind of needs to uh, improve upon or possibly clean up before the postseason begins?
1: Well, I think, I think uh, a couple of things. One is that this is the belief because, you know, we as a coaching staff, the entire coaching staff, you know, believe that they're really, really talented. You know, we ask them to come in every day and Work hard and get better, and they do that. So I'd like to see them have uh, a bit more confidence in all that they do, because you know, I you know the, the mental part of the game is so important. And as we talked a little bit about the game yesterday against Penn State, there that there was times that we were that we were you know under pressure, just to deal with that pressure and have the confidence to deal with that pressure and still re- and still remain who you are. You know, so so we'll talk a little bit about that and putting them in in, in in those, you know, a little bit more of those, you know, those situations that they can deal with the pressure a little bit, or deal with, you know, uh, just put them in situations where they're going to be you know, more efficient in what we need them to do. And what I mean by that is, um, we want to keep the ball. We have to do a better job and build up play. We're doing a good job, but the way that we can, you know, the thing, the way that we can do better in the attack is to get more numbers forward. And when you get more numbers forward, there's more options. So, you know. The times that we do that, we're, we're we're really we're really good to watch. But we need to do more of that. We need to have more numbers around the ball, more numbers around the mirror, more numbers around the forward, more numbers in the box. And then what we're going to work on is just kind of you know getting ourselves in situations in the final third that you know that create create uh, different games that'll give us the opportunity to be, have a bit more confidence in finishing and you know moving off the ball and crossing you know, just things of those nature, which. The final third is the hardest place to play. So we'll spend more time in that area. But I think you, I I just think, Lance, the thing that's so important is you you can't accomplish anything without putting in a hard day's work. You know, you can't accomplish anything unless you're you're committed to this team dynamic. And I, I, I know that one of the things for us as a staff is, you know, it's inspiring watching them play, you know, and, there's, there's only two games left, but we have, still have a lot of soccer to play. And I know that we as a coaching staff and we as our team are excited to get back out training tomorrow because it gives us another opportunity to get better. And these last two games are very, very important for postseason. Um, so, uh, you know, I, we started this conversation talking about Big Ten play, and they know what these last two games mean. But we still have room to grow. And get better as a team and as co- an entire coaching staff. We're excited about that.
0: Amir Ali obviously grabs headlines for what she does offensively, and, and Megan uh, McClellan does obviously in goal as well. Just talk to me about who have been some of the girls, or or maybe you know one girl or two uh, that have maybe I guess flown under the radar a little bit that have haven't really gotten the recognition from from outsiders, from media, but that have put together some really solid seasons. Who who do you think those would be? Oh.
1: Well, I, I'll. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I know. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's. A great
0: question. I'm sure there's seven, that's, eight, nine because you I'm, give me one or two. I'm
1: telling you, but I am going to mention all of them. Because, <laughs> again, you don't, you don't. You don't. You don't. get the chance to see how special they are unless you spend the time with them. And anybody that's watched Kenny Wright over the last four years, you know, has a has an understanding that this kid's a very special player. And you know, she's one for for us that flies under the radar. I think Amanda Visco has done a great job. A great job because Amanda has to have you know played with Chantel a bit and then Chantel is left for eight games and now Shay Hollins is in there and she's adjusted really well to that. I think Madison Pogar have another one. Um but I look at what like Gabby Provenzano has done. I look at what Taylor Almar has done. Adora that they're doing a lot of dirty work in there. They're playing good football and you know they don't get the you know the the notoriety as like an Amira or a Meg would be because again you know, you're scoring, you're assisting, you know, some people focus on that, you know, me as a soccer coach, I focus on all of it. So to watch them work and Nicole Whitley, um, Tierney Wilshire, you know, NECA has stepped up and we've had some injuries this season where we've asked people to step up and they've done that. And I think that's a, you know, that's a, um, that's a reflection of the leadership. I think Kenny Wright and Taylor Amars, our captains, have done a, a great job with the team dynamic. But yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it, it's I. We as a coaching staff get out, get a chance to get out there every day and watch them all work. So I know I've mentioned a a, a few, but I, again, I just think it's uh, you know to really understand the value or how special it is, you really need to come out and see them play. That's the only way you truly know the. the importance of a player and how good somebody is by watching them.
0: You know, coach, I remember back in 2015, you know, I was on the call for your entire Big Ten tournament run, your entire NCAA tournament run, the games, you know, before the Big Ten tournament started. I was on the call for all of it with WRSU. And what I remembered was how important it was uh, for your team to get home field advantage, uh, both in the Big Ten tournament And also in the NCAA tournament, because I believe you played uh, Hartford at home or or, or Hofstra, whatever it was. Uh, UConn uh, was also at home. And and I believe, I think your sack field really made a difference. I mean, obviously you went on, beat Virginia in Charlottesville as well. But I think being at home, being in front of your home fans, I remember those games. The crowd, they were loud, they were energetic, they were excited for the team. Now, you know, you sit right now second in the Big Ten Conference. How important is it for you this season to, to try to lock up home field advantage? Obviously, you know, the semifinals and the finals of the Big Ten tournament are in uh, Westfield, Indiana. But for at least that first round and possibly for the NCAA tournament, how important is it to lock up that home field advantage?
1: That's very important. Um, you're 100% correct. The only game that we played on the road that year was uh, at Virginia. Everything else we hosted at home. So that's what, that's what these next two games are about because the players— uh, love playing in front of their family. They love playing in front of our, our fans, the university. They love playing at your sack field. And um, so that home field advantage is big. There's nothing like, you know, staying home and playing in front of your family and friends. Um, so they understand. They understand the importance of that. Um, but we're going to take this one game at a time. Uh, but it does, and we've talked about from day one, is that, you know, to be successful in the season, it gives us the opportunity uh, for out of conference games gives us the opportunity to you know play games at home. Then when you get in the conference play, it's the same way. you do well in conference, it gives you the best opportunity to make a, to make a run in postseason. So they're very aware of that. They're very clear of what they need to get done and they understand the importance of these next two matches. but one game at a time.
0: One more before we let you go. you know, I know it's it's three years past now and that 2015 college cup birth. But one player specifically who was on that team was Kenny Wright. You know, she, she played big ministry. Then I believe started for for you then that season as well. Since then, a couple close losses in, in big 10 tournaments and NCAA tournaments have those experiences uh, for players who have, who have been there, who are on those teams, who were, who were on that 2015 college cup team. Do they do they remember that? Are they as seniors now, like Kenny Wright? Are they kind of using that as you know extra motivation, a chip on their shoulder, maybe to help try and push them this season? Considering for some, it might be their last opportunity to kind of reach that ultimate goal. Yeah,
1: I, I, you're 100 correct. Uh, you know, for Kenny Wright, Kenny's a pro, and um, he's been a big part of our success this last four years. I think what happens in order to to, to be successful in those matches, you need to play in those matches. And every big game that we play, we're gaining more and more experience, you know, for the next big game. You know, we look at the Final Four, we look at we played in two Big Ten finals and, you know, and now we're in a position here in Big Ten play that, you know, it's up for grabs. And, you know, we're good enough to be a champion, you know. So I think that those games help prepare you for these moments because you you need that experience we need to know how to win those games you know we're getting there but we need to learn how to win them and I think that you know with players like Kenny and you know and, and, um, and the experience that Kenny's had and many other many and many other players um, it gives us the best opportunity to play in those games and to win those matches and again I don't necessarily talk about postseason um, because we're really focusing on one game at a time. But this group gives us the best opportunity to have postseason success. But we still have a lot to learn. We can still grow more as a team. We can get better on the pitch, you know, so we can you know, continuously build those areas that are important to be a champion. We've done a lot of good things, but there's still more to do. So that starts tomorrow.
0: Coach, it 100% does. You're right. Thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to watching this team in these last two games. I look forward to uh, seeing how far they go. You mentioned you're not looking forward to it, but, you know, all us fans, we look forward to seeing what you can do in the Big Ten tournament and then in the NCAA tournament. I want to wish you luck uh, in your final two games against Michigan State and and against Purdue. Thank you once again so much uh, for coming on the podcast.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me. And remember, you mentioned you were on those runs. You better be on those runs with us.
0: You know I will, Coach. You know I will. Thanks so much for coming on. (laughs)
1: Thank you for your time.
0: I want to thank Coach O'Neal for giving me some of his time to talk about this year's team as they prepare to finish out the Big Ten season, then move on to the Big Ten and then most likely the NCAA tournament. If you have not seen this team yet, I really recommend you go out and watch them. They are fun to watch, let me tell you. As I mentioned, not only are they fun to watch, but they probably have the Big Ten Player of the Year in Amir Ali. However, what will define this team is obviously what they do come tournament time. They've gotten so close in previous years, both in the Big Ten and in the NCAA tournaments, but they've just come up a little bit short. What differs, however, from those teams to this one, I believe, is Amir Ali. Yes, those teams had offensive talent. They had Cassie Anasio, They had Colby Sharaka, They had Madison Tiernan, Brian Reed, Erica Skrosky, and so many others, both defensively and offensively, that you know went on to uh, women's soccer professional careers. But Amir Ali you know, she has that special offensive ability that, that really only a few players in this entire country have. Yes, obviously the loss to Penn State's things, but you got to remember the Nittany Lions, one, they were the 2015 national champions and still have so much talent, and two, the game was in Happy Valley. If these two teams match up in either the semis or the finals of the Big Ten tournament, it'll be on a neutral site in Westfield, Indiana. On a neutral site in a pressure-filled game, personally, I believe the Scarlet Knights might very well come out on top. Looking at the grand scheme of things, though, I'm sure Coach O'Neill is just taking it one game at a time. He's not even looking at what could be. I was with the team doing play-by-play for WRSU for every game of that magical run to the College Cup. I had the call in Charlottesville when Casey Murphy saved Tina Iordano's penalty kick to send Rutgers to the Final Four and was there for every game before that one. That team, in 2015, it never looked past their opponent during that run until the clock hit zero. Once they secured the game that's when they began looking towards the next opponent. That's something Mike O'Neill does so well. He doesn't look ahead. He just looks at what's right in front of him. And I believe, just like that team did in 2015, this team, come tournament time, they're not going to look ahead. They're going to look at what's right in front of them, and they're going to take it one game at a time to make that 2015 run look exactly like what this 2018 run is going to be. Follow SB Nation on Twitter, at otb underscore Nation. And you can find out when our next podcast is debuting.